Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. Five to six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSEN. All right, hour number two of the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM with Michael Lombardi. I'm Ben Wilson. Big thanks as well. We've got our producer, Matt Santos, behind the glass. Whole crew helping us out, at least where I'm at, Circus Sportsbook Studios in downtown Las Vegas. Andrew Ingold, our technical director. We've got Mikhail. Sergio, Rob, a bunch of other people also hanging around. Uh, too many to name, honestly, but not really. I just named all of them. Uh, Michael, we've got the <laughs> AFC South to talk about. We promised we'd yeah. do it in hour one. This is like the WTF uh. division of the season, basically, where as of right now, you, you have had opportunities to get every team, with the exception of the Colts, at at least two to one or higher. Indianapolis was plus 180 heading into last week. That was the highest the Colts had been on the odds board. So with how bad Jacksonville's looked the last two weeks and having fallen out at two and three with these three Colts, Titans, Jaguars, Indy plus 160, Tennessee plus 180 and Jacksonville plus 220. Where are you going right now? And is there any bet you could you could possibly endorse with how awful this division has looked? Well, I mean, look, I wrote about it two weeks ago. I thought Jacksonville's the best one. I don't, you know, the Philly game was a rain game. They turned the ball over. I'll excuse that. Last week was inexcusable. Last week was inexcusable. Peterson's inability to kind of stay the, you know, go for it on fourth down. You know, I mean, look, they gained 422 yards in the game, Ben. 422 yards in the game. It's It was their greatest offensive performance of the season, Right. They had 136 yards rushing in the game. They held their opponent to 248. I mean, it, 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 the numbers don't lie. I mean, and they score six points. 
because they consistently want to go for it on fourth down, even though they're the 22nd best team in the league on fourth down, right? You know, they're, they're not being able to convert, and then they turn the ball over in the red zone. And so, like, to me, if, if he manages the game, if he would manage the game like Brian Daybold managed the game, that's, an e- that's a win. And, and might cover that game. It might cover that game. But I, I still think they're the best. They, to me, they have the best team. I'm not sure he's the best coach for them in the sense that he takes way too many chances and too much risk, and he never plays to the strength of his team. Like, I don't understand it. It's just not that complicated. Yeah, at least on the – you mentioned the inability to put get points on the board, whether that's fourth down decisions, turnovers in the red zone. Have you seen a worse interception? I don't mean to be all hyperbolic, but what, when's the last time you saw an interception that bad that – quarterback Trevor Lawrence threw in the third quarter. I saw it, of the, of the I saw it when we were watching the Cleveland game. I watched the Cleveland Charger game. I saw a bad <laughs> one there too. Yeah. I, I mean I mean, you know, they, they you know, we we see it bad when they're on the field. They they don't see that, that there's something they miss, you know? I mean, look, I I'm not saying he shouldn't throw the ball in the red zone, but when you're in a one-score game and you're throwing it 46 to- 47 times and you're running it 27, 26, and your quarterback's prone to turn it over, I mean, all those numbers I cited you in the game, here's the most telling tile. The Texans had 15 first downs, and yet they controlled the ball almost 32 minutes in the game. How is that possible? How is that possible? You know, and they, only, and they had 13 third downs in the game, and they converted five of them. When you don't so pick up a eating, single fourth down, yep. If you're Jackson, they're eating the clock. To He's that. 0 for three on fourth down. The, the last fourth down, I'll, I'll pass. But the 0 for two on fourth down is killer. It cost him in Washington, and it cost him at home against the team. Look, he's not the he's not the inferior team here. He was the better team. When you're the better team, don't take risk. Don't take on. Don't take a risk until the fourth quarter when you have to keep collecting. Make them play for. Make Davis yeah. Mills beat you. But when you play in a one-score game, with you keep Damian Pierce, and all of a sudden he has a big run. Mm-hmm. Well, and the thing on Lawrence as well as a quarterback, if you look at his overall season numbers now, he's been the best quarterback in the division. But the last two weeks, you go to the advanced numbers on his overall uh, his overall passing here and, and the completions versus expected. The last two weeks specifically for Trevor Lawrence, the worst two weeks of any quarterback that we have had on record this entire season so far. Which well, makes you I ask mean, the no, question, what Trevor Lawrence are we getting the rest of the season when you think about the discrepancy of those numbers? Right, and that's where, you, to me, I go back to where's, where's how, about the co- how, about, how about coaching the player into what he can and can't do? Like, we're not, it's not about gaining yards. I say this all the time. You know, Peterson's the head coach. Like, he doesn't have to get yards. He has to win the game. Coach the game like a head coach. Don't coach the game like an offensive coordinator trying to get a job. You know, do what Mike McCarthy's doing. You're really good on defense. Look, this is the best defensive team. I'm telling you now, I I don't know if I have enough guts to give it out, but the last time they played the Colts, the game was over in the first quarter. It was flat out over in the first quarter. It wasn't even close, okay? They're the most talented team in the division. It's not close. You know, and their offensive line has gotten better. Mm-hmm. But the way he calls it, the way he manages the game, like he's an offensive coordinator trying to get a head coaching job. Stop. Win the game. Manage the game to win the game. And this and this insistence on being this fourth down guy, 
They were better without them on fourth. They're 22nd in the league on fourth down. And both fourth downs that you talked about before the desperation spot in the fourth quarter were fourth and short situations right around the plus 40, and both times the play call was a disaster, did not work. And as you talked about, it's a big reason why Houston upset the Jaguars in that game. You flip it forward, I mean, if though. He thinks, if, he thinks his, if he doesn't trust his kicker, which maybe he doesn't trust his kicker. His kicker is what? Uh, you know, his kicker is one for three inside of 30. You know, and so maybe he doesn't trust his – if he doesn't trust his kicker, get another kicker. But when you have a defense that is this good, and mm-hmm. I think they're really good. I really do. And especially when you're playing against – I think they're good when they're playing against an inferior quarterback. I don't think there's any doubt about that, right? They're the fourth best in points allowed, right? They're good against the run. They're good against the pass. Why not play it a little bit to where we get it to the fourth quarter? Well, one drive wins this game. One drive wins the yeah. game. And you turn it forward. This is the division that reminds me a lot of the 2020 NFC East when we had weeks and weeks of calling it the NFC least. It really does remind me 2022 NFC East when at one point you could have gotten all four teams in the at least three to one or greater category. That was the division. Washington ends up winning at seven and nine. Remember, Doug Peterson, head coach at the time of Philadelphia, played a big role in that when he sat everybody in the second half of the Week 17 game to end the season, giving Washington the division. But in this AFC South as it currently stands, you have three teams. If we're not still discounting the Texans, who are at 30 to one long shots, who've picked up their first win of the season this past Sunday, but you have three teams you've had pretty significant plus money on all year so far. And yet, as we're saying, you lay out all the numbers, Jacksonville at, at, at this moment still has the best offense, the best defense, and yet they're plus 220 to win the division, albeit with a massive divisional matchup at Indianapolis where they are two and a half point underdogs this week. Doesn't it seem like the logical response if you're a better is just whenever you have the opportunity to grab one of these teams over two to one, if we're talking of the three, Indy, Tennessee, and Jacksonville, Aren't you almost obligated to do it given the issues that all three represent and how wide open the division appears to be? Yeah, I, I'm going to ask you a question since you've been asking me questions all day. <laughs> okay. What, if you put Mike Vrabel and Coach Jacksonville, what would Jacksonville be like? I They would be a outstanding under team is what I'd say. So it would be, it'd be it'd an be under team. Ground and, they and would pound defensive games. team, I mean, yeah. They, have no ch- they, would, they would not let a game slip away. I mean, since Mike Vrabel lost in Buffalo 41-7, to he's on a three-game winning streak. He's got a bye. You know, he hasn't really scored in the second half in any of these games. I think he's got – they have 14 points scored total in the second half, right? He's managed the game. That game last week was I, – I, it's it was hard to watch. I mean, I'm sure he's sitting in his office today saying, how are we going to beat anybody? We're not any good. Yet he just manages the game. So if you're asking me who to bet, I say bet the best coach. The most talented team is Jacksonville. There's no denying that. Mm-hmm. They're the most talented team. If you put Mike Vrabel as the head coach of Jacksonville, they probably would be uh, competing for at least the two or the three seed. And that's a totally fair distinction to make when you think about, as we, we've laid out, a division that has no real front-running suitors to win it and talent gaps that are kind of belied, at least in the Jacksonville front, by coaching that you've had a lot of issues with, and you can point to a bunch of stats that, that dictate that. If you're in a division where you don't really know, why not just take a stab with the best coach? And that's where I, I bring in the Frank Reich element to this because we've seen over the past few years, he's, I don't know, I don't know if I want to say free pass, but he's been given the benefit of the doubt so many times in Indianapolis 
when does the pendulum switch to the other side on Reich with all the disastrous decisions that have gone on there for the Colts? You talk about fourth down decisions. I mean, he's a disaster when it comes to fourth down, too. I don't even, I don't even know if the analytical community will stand with him. He's a disaster on fourth down. You know, he's 32nd in the league in fourth down conversions. Just, just put it out there, okay? But he goes for it on fourth down like he's a genius on fourth down. Like, at some point, then if you're so analytical, why don't you look at your own numbers, okay? But the, the bigger issue for me watching Indianapolis, I always thought Frank Wright was a tough guy. I thought he was an offensive mm-hmm. coach with toughness. And I don't know why this team doesn't have toughness, but I've never seen a team regress as badly as the Colts have in their offensive line with no toughness at all. No punch you in the mouth, no physicality. I don't see it, you know. And, you know, to me, that's been the bigger issue. Look, they have a quarterback who's a statue. I get that, right? But they're not even managing him. What he did to that left tackle last week in that oh. game was malpractice. It was clearly malpractice. To be in five out, not help that kid, horrible. I said on uh, the Live Bet Tonight show, and I was our guest sweater, I said uh, the golfer Bernhard Longer would have had to would have had a better chance of blocking at left tackle than the uh, than the longer they put out there for Indy. Guy was completely helpless. And I don't know what, what you set the line at for this week. Colts hosting the Jaguars. Then they go to Tennessee next week. But hard for me to, to back uh, the Colts, even with extra rest in that spot. Laying two and a half in the market right now. Yeah, I mean, hard for me not to take Jacksonville. I mean, Jacksonville is a better team. Now, they, they could mess it up as sure as God made oh, green apples. Sh- oh, they certainly could. A lot, I have to think, a lot of twists and turns still to come in the AFC South. When we return, a bunch of news and notes to get to injury day on a Wednesday here in the NFL. We'll discuss next. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Allison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's like very of all slow. The, of all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Allison. Thank you. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids, but I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. 
Download the Zigazoo app today. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Basketball season is ready to tip off, and now is the time to grab your VSIN Pro Basketball Betting Guide with season prep on all 30 teams. Our hoops experts, including Jonathan Von Tobel, provide strategy and advice, as well as predictions for conference winners, win totals, playoff teams, and player awards. We also have five betting tips for beginning NBA bettors. Give yourself an edge this NBA season and get the VSIN NBA Betting Guide by becoming a VSIN Pro subscriber today at vsin.com slash subscribe. Today, big injury day across the NFL. We've seen a couple of lines now start to move, one of which is Baltimore and the New York Giants. Ravens, Michael, are up to six now in some spots, and we're getting the reporting that quarterback Daniel Jones, his ankle quote, came out good from the Sunday game, according to head coach Brian Dable. Dable also adds that Saquon Barkley is running back going to be limited in practice with the shoulder injury still likely probable. And this is also odd. The punter, Jamie Gillen, apparently had passport issues, so didn't even make the flight back. And he's now just returning to New York. That's kind of odd. I don't know how it really impacts the line. But seems like a lot of positive injury news on the Baltimore side, combined with some question marks here for the G-men. But I think I think where the G-men you have to be concerned for the G-men is is their secondary. I think their secondary, their defense is beat up. I think that's really why this line's shifting. I don't think it has anything to do with Daniel Jones or Barkley. I think a Dory Jackson might not play. You know, I think they've got a bunch of guys in the back end of their defense that are really worried. I mean, you know, last week Fabian Monroe, who's actually played pretty well for them, he was coming, you know, coming off a foot. You know, where is he going to be? Leonard Williams, is he coming back? They're running out of defensive mm-hmm. players, which is a concern. And I think that that's really where, where this line's moving. And I think that's why. I, I think it's going to be a challenge for them to get everybody healthy and ready to go in the game, especially in the secondary. The report on Jackson is that he'll be limited in practice today. Still a questionable right there. But you look at the rest of that secondary, cornerbacks Aaron Robinson, Radarius Williams already on IR. I'm seeing Leonard Williams, the defensive lineman, as a firm questionable right now. So as much as we can quibble with Baltimore's issues defensively, where they've been bottom 10 in the league in most metrics through five weeks, how are you slowing down quarterback Lamar Jackson in Baltimore if you are, if you are so limited with depth on the defensive side if you're the Giants? I think that's the real issue, right? I mean, you've got to have speed on the field. You've got to be able to tackle. And you've got to be able to set the edge inside out so that they don't get their running game going 
you know, and then you've got to force him to make some outside the numbers throw and take away Mark Andrews. You got to double Mark Andrews on every play. You have to do to the to the Ravens what the the Raiders did to Travis Kelsey, not in the red zone, mm-hmm. but jam him at the line, make him reroute off the line, make it hard for him. And if you can do that, then you've got a better chance. And so, you know, I think that's that's the game. I mean, he wants to throw the ball to Andrews, and they don't really have a passing game off off of just anything else. Uh, this is going to be a challenge for, for them, especially, again, if Baltimore makes that big play or explosive play, can the Giants stay attached? You know, they did a great job last week of attaching after it was 17-3 to in that second quarter. I don't think people realized how challenging that was for the Giants when they got back in the game. I mean, if that goes into halftime at 17-3 to or 20-3, to they're going to have a hard time staying attached and it becomes an all-pass game. But they made it 17-10, 20-10 at the half. Yep. That, that's where the Giants have done a great job is they haven't let the game get away from them even though they haven't been perfect. That's why they've been a great underdog team so far, winning outright five-and-a-half-point dogs at Tennessee to start the year. Talked about the game last week, seven-point underdogs to start the week. That line got bet all the way up to eight-and-a-half in London against Green Bay and now five-and-a-half or six this week. With Rashad Bateman, that's the big question still on the Baltimore side. Without well, You talk about outside of tight end Mark Andrews, what are you getting from a wide receiver core that's been banged up? Bateman is firmly questionable with his foot injury. And while the Giants, we've discussed, probably a bet against team long term, even though the performance of a rookie head coach and Brian Dable has been exceptional so far at 4-1, and one, the one good thing the Giants have done, 12th against the pass, at least to this point, that is one of the more surprising things I would have seen out of the G-Men, not having expected them to really stay in these games by proper game management, by shortening the game, by limiting mistakes with quarterback Daniel Jones and the rest of that offense. So far, the pass defense looks to be pretty legit, which I don't know if you think that continues, but you can't quibble with it so far. Well, I think what they've been able to do, though, is they've been able to put pressure. I mean, they've you know they they even pressured Aaron Rodgers. They zero blitzed Aaron Rodgers. They overload pressure blitz. They attack your protections. And because they attack your protections, you know, the quarterback's got to get rid of the ball. It helps the secondary. You know, everybody thinks it's about how we're going to cover. It's about how we're going to rush. And when you can attack the protections in the scheme and you force the quarterback to get rid of the ball, all of a sudden even good quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers become very, very average. So I, I think to me that, that that's a credit to what the Giants have done is they've been able to attack that. Now the problem is when you attack Lamar – you know, and you attack him, whether it's an overload mm-hmm. pressure, whether it's zero bridge pressure, whatever you want to do with him, you got to have somebody who can get him on the ground when he starts to take off. And there's nobody on the Giants team that's fast enough to get him on the ground. There's nobody on a lot of teams that are fast enough to get him on the ground. We've seen as well with Lamar Jackson, best quarterback against the Blitz, even in a small sample size to begin the year. Guy's gotten, he's gotten a lot better, at least, A, as you talk about, Michael, understanding he has the ability to get out of the pocket avoid sacks, which he took at a, an alarmingly high rate, second most in the league last year. But the willingness to stay in, stay in the pocket, find guys downfield, even if it's a tight end in Mark Andrews, who's the only real reliable target. Right. But the combination of Andrews and Devin Duvernay, who's had an outstanding year as a wideout, it's put, it's put Jackson in spots to be really productive against the Blitz. And that, that kind of becomes, don't you think, the cat and mouse game for this week? Yeah, I mean, it is. I mean, and, and 
Martindale knows it. I mean, look, Martindale practiced against this t- offense for – I mean, this is a, certainly a coordinator advantage, right? You know, it didn't happen last week. I thought Mike McDaniel practicing against Salai would have been effective, but, you know, his quarterback gets hurt on the first play of the game. But this one here, to me, is – the Baltimore's real issue here is Baltimore's defensively have not been very good against the run. I mean, New England – that New England game was a lot closer than the 11-point win when you go back and look at right. it. New England turned the ball over. Right. And so the Giants are going to watch that tape and say, hey, look, if we can play like this, we got a really good chance and we can't get into that. We can't make a mistake against them, you know, because the longer the game goes. I mean, this Raven team's been outscored 40, 50 by by 35 points in the fourth quarter. Think about that. It's wild. You know, and 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 where the Ravens have gained the advantage is they've outscored their opponent in the first quarter by by 30, 31 points. And that's where yeah. they go. They get that lead. They make you one-dimensional, and now you can't throw the foot. Now you can't run it. Those two losses for Baltimore so far, trailing by a combined 14 seconds, as has been well-documented. And now how does it translate ahead to a Giants team coming off the London game? Uh, the other team, the Packers off the London game, they also are still in action. As we discussed last week, no longer teams have the option at this point if they want to take the bye post-London and we've seen now all four teams who've played in London so far, they've elected to come back. And you certainly think there's, yeah. it's not as big of a deal anymore. And we're seeing the, the Packers in that other spot here coming off London laying seven to the other New York team in the Jets. I, I think this, I think going to Seattle for an East Coast team is a harder trip than going to London. I think going to Seattle or going to San Francisco or playing a Monday night game in San Francisco or playing a Monday night game in Los Angeles or playing a Monday night game in Seattle or playing any game on the West Coast is harder than going to London. You're not going to get home until the morning. I mean, the Raiders, by the time they got back from Kansas City, it was you know it's such a late game. By the time they got back, you got to go right to work. That's a harder trip. So when you go to London, I think I was told that the most of the they were people were back in their homes by like two o'clock in the morning from London. It's Think about bad. that. Not bad yeah, at all. And they and and I don't understand this, but apparently whoever the home team is leaves first. So the Giants are all ready to go and they're sitting on their airplane and they have to wait for the Packers to take off, who took more time. Okay. Interesting. I don't understand it. I, I, I didn't know that. I, I don't know how that works either. Well, the, the what it does lead into though for Green Bay. So many people, me included, losing money on Packers teasers last week seemed like a a perfect spot for them after the disappointing performance against New England and Bailey Zappi the prior week at Lambeau Field. But the Packers come home. They're again in that teasable range as a seven, seven and a half point favorite against the Jets at home. You keep asking yourself, though, like, is this the week the Packer receivers finally get on the same page with Aaron Rodgers? I, I feel like I'm in a, in a position watching this every week, Michael. It's kind of like, all right, I'll, I'll start to believe it when I see it with Green Bay, where the trust is clearly not there. And we saw how that led to some panic, at least from a play-calling perspective in the second half against the Giants. And you couple that with a defense that has arguably been the most disappointing unit of any across the NFL, bottom five against the run, subpar against the pass. Where do the, where, where do the questions begin on, on Joe Barry's front as a D.C., and, and when does that get better? A lot of question marks on Green Bay's side. I, I don't know how it's going to get better on Green Bay. I really don't. And, and this week, but I'll say that, this week I have, the, I have the Packers, I have this game being right around 6, 5.58. There's no way I could t- take the Jets. There's no way. I, I, I just don't have enough faith that that's going to happen. I really can't. I, I don't think I can do it. 
I would. I just wonder when do we get to the point on Joe Barry where it's like you have seven former first round picks on your defense. The personnel, every grading system in the preseason said this was a top five defense, and yet they're poorly coached, never in the right positions, don't know how to make in game adjustments. At what point does it fall on your DC? We're week six, Michael. I don't know. Time's time's starting to get. Uh, we're getting into the halfway point time's of the year get, pretty soon. Yeah, know. exactly. We'll see how that all works out for Green Bay. All right, it's Harry Gagnon up next from the Against All Odds podcast. He's got week six plays. We'll check in with Harry next. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on v featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. The NASCAR playoffs are in full swing, and it's time to see all of your favorite drivers in fabulous Las Vegas, the South Point 400. It's this weekend, October 14th through 16th at the Las Vegas Motor Speedway. And VSIN's own Brent Musburger will be the Grand Marshal of the race, and he's also broadcasting from the track Sunday morning on Brent Musburger's Countdown to Kickoff. Before the action on the track, come down to the South Point Hotel and Casino on Thursday to see the Budweiser Clydesdales and meet Mark Martin in his inaugural Las Vegas 400 winning car, also, special appearances by Brennan Gaughan and Las Vegas native Noah Gragson. The South Point also has room and ticket packages available. For more information, head to southpointcasino.com. Might have to head over to the old, the old South Point. I'm here at the Circus Sportsbook Studio. Ben Wilson in for Patrick Maher. Patrick back tomorrow. We have Michael Lombardi. We also have Harry Gagnon, who's on a heater, Michael. I feel like we've heater. said that a few heater. times this year with Harry. Give the man the, the H-Dog. Give the man the floor. He's doing a great job. Undefeated, 4-0. I think the most impressive part of your week on the week five picks, Harry, was the fact that you had a three-team money line parlay. And with so many landmines out there, with the big favorites going yeah. down, with Green Bay and Jacksonville, you somehow were able to weave your way through all the danger and cash that ticket. So job well done. Thanks. Yeah, it's been a couple of those parlays I've, I've been able to, you know, zigzag in and out and catch, but you know, you know how the, a lot of these games guys come down to the end. Like my best last week was the Titans and, uh, and you know, they controlled the game. I said, give the ball to the best player on the, on the field. And that was Derrick Henry had a monster game, but it came down to like the last 40 seconds. Washington had first and goal to two down four. My bet doesn't look great. And then they held and intercepted once again. And that was that. It's amazing. Yeah, how, I, how I it mean, comes down to that. Yeah. Mike, it really does. Washington. You say, stay Mike, you said it two weeks ago. Do not bet on Washington. Bet against them. Stay away from Washington. It's, it's been winning. Yeah, and it's true. I just don't I, – I, I, to me, it was a no play because I, I, I admire you. Because, but, but when you watch the tape, Harry, when I went back and watched the tape, I'm telling mm-hmm. you, Washington's got nobody to blame for losing that game but themselves. They, they dominated the game. I mean, and, and they and – they, but – I, I think this goes to a deeper conversation that how good Vrabel is as a coach. His team hangs around, they hang around, they find a way to win. They've scored 14 points in the second half all season, and yet they've wow. won on a three-game win streak. Yeah, amazing. Pretty, pretty amazing that that is how it all worked out. Hey, as oh, yeah. we as we discussed, sometimes you're, you're sometimes you're on the right side of variance, sometimes you're on the wrong. Uh, Harry, you, you had that. At least the Titans game was one. Patriots, Bengals, that, those were those at least Bengals. You were that was tight the whole way. Uh, Patriots yeah. with an easy blowout win. So a uh, good job by you again, Harry. You can catch all of his work at AAO Harry, part of the Degenerate Trifecta with the Against All Odds podcast and cousin Sal on the Extra Points Network. We were talking earlier in the show, though, Harry, with the injury news coming out where Dallas expects to have Cooper Rush once again at quarterback. And we've seen the line uh, tick up a little bit. I'm seeing it now a blanket six here on Philadelphia where that's a huge matchup considering you have three offensive line players questionable all for Philadelphia. 
positive start to the week in that regard. How do you expect this matchup to play out there Sunday night in Philly? Well, you know, that's something else. I, I do have Philly winning this division. I haven't at the beginning of the season, but I'll tell you what, guys, from what I've seen, I think San Francisco has the number one defense in the NFC, but the number two defense to me in the NFC is the Dallas Cowboys. I, I love this Philly team. Uh, again, I doubted, doubted Jalen Hurts before the season over seven and a half rushing touchdowns. He's already got six, um, but this is a matchup, big uh, a, a NFC East matchup. Dallas is seven and zero oh on the road in their last seven games. Seven and zero oh on the road. Um, it's just a situation here where Cooper Cup has. I mean, excuse me, Cooper Rush has been fantastic. He leads his team. He hasn't made any mistakes. He doesn't turn the ball over. I think this is going to be a tight game throughout. I think Philly wins, but I think Dallas with the six points now, I'm going to take the six. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the Dallas, what, seven and one against the Eagles in the last eight games? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, and, and like you said, I mean, the formula, the formula to win is, is the formula to win, right? I mean, don't turn this ball over, run it, milk, you know, take our opportunities, have short drives, win the kicking game where the Cowboys can gain an advantage, you know? And so, I mean, you know, this Covey kid has dropped a lot of punts for the for the Eagles so far. Drop one, you know, he's recovered them all, but he hasn't really secured it. So the special teams, you got to be concerned about a little bit there. But, I mean, look, it, it's a great formula. And the Eagles have now haven't really been in rhythm offensively for two weeks. Right. And, you know, the, the, even though when they beat Jacksonville, Philly two weeks ago, Hurts didn't have any touchdowns that day. And we're down 14 yeah. no, they haven't been in, in rhythm. that spot. Yeah. They haven't been in rhythm in two mm -hmm. weeks. And this is what yeah. happens to offenses in September. They they come out, they people see it, and all of a sudden now defensive coordinators start to modify, they change, they handle different things. Well, we've seen a couple offenses, Harry, that have been really hard to modify, at least on the defensive side of the ball. Buffalo, Kansas City. I was the idiot who went against the Bills, had Pittsburgh thinking, oh, yeah, a little look-ahead spot for Buffalo, and you got, yeah, we'll see. Kenny Pickett, maybe feisty at QB, and what, 45 no. seconds into that game, Michael, I was like, well, that bet's <laughs> over. That's not going to work. You knew that was over. I knew yeah, that, that was, was dead uh, right away. Bills win at 38-3, and it sets up the marquee game of the week. I like, Harry, that not only are you – you've got picks here on the Sunday night game and then our marquee game in the late afternoon window. Bills pretty much a blanket three. I see a couple of two-and-a-halves out there. There's been a little bit of support in the market for Kansas City with that number touching three. Uh, what's the angle you're going to look at here with the Bills going into KC right. and the rematch of last year's divisional playoff? I'm on the Bills. I'm on the Bills. Both are four and one. I think it's the first time Mahomes is an underdog at home. I just think Kansas City extremely fortunate in wins versus the Chargers versus Las Vegas this past Monday. Uh, free agent pickups: Valdez Scantling and Smith Schuster. They've been okay in spots, guys, but combined after five weeks, they've got zero touchdowns. Kelsey's a beast, uh, but how much can he endure with him having to do everything in the red zone? Um, I just think the Bills are overall better here. They remember last year, obviously. Uh, I think Josh Allen plays a tremendous game. They don't want to have to go through Kansas City again to make it to the Super Bowl. They want to do it for their fans. They want to do it in Buffalo. They must win this game. And I think just last, I know uh, uh, we all know what happened in the AFC Championship game last year, but the game before that when they played in Arrowhead, um, Josh Allen played fantastic, and he actually blew out the Chiefs. And I think it's a situation where after a short week for Kansas City, crazy game, benefit of some calls again, I think the Bills go in there. They are determined. They know what they're shooting for. And I think they win this game by double digits. I think the Bills roll them.
You know, I watched the tape of the Raider game this morning, and the Raiders left uh, – I would say the Raiders left two touchdowns mm. on the field. Did you watch that tape? I mean, it, it really was unf- – I mean, think about this. The Raiders are up 20 to 20 to, to 3, and they run three plays in the next – no, excuse me, they're up 20 to 7. They run three plays, and the next thing you know, they're down 24 to 20. And yeah. you know they have a horrible they have a horrible pick call which was ridiculous. I mean some but forget that. There's guys wide open and you, the matchups are unbelievably in the favor of the Bills in this game. I don't see how how Kansas City can think they're going to play man to man against Buffalo and win. I don't see how they're going to do it because yeah. they couldn't do it. I mean the Raiders even on the last play of the game. The, the, the Mac Collins, they're wide open coming across the field. If they, if the, if the running back picks up the linebacker, Carr's going to throw it across the field. The guy's going to walk in the end zone. So there's a lot of those plays out there, and I don't know how good this Chief team is. And can they keep being perfect? That's what I ask. Can they keep being perfect? I don't know. And and guys, I think you remember that game when the Bills did beat uh, Kansas City during the regular season in Arrowhead. The Bills defense was everywhere. Mahomes couldn't actually move the ball at home. It was amazing to see. And overall, Bills much stronger on defense. They have many, many more better playmakers on defense as well. I'm taking Buffalo. Laying the three with Buffalo. There are some two and a halfs you can find in the market right now, at least if you're in the Nevada jurisdiction. Uh, Harry, you're on Vikings minus three. That number's now three and a half with the news coming out this morning. It'll be third string quarterback Skylar Thompson in at QB uh, for the Dolphins. So not sure if you'd still lay it there at three and a half. You can maybe tell us that real quick, but I want to hear your money line parlay, of course, as we close out the show, because you've got a three-teamer again this week. Yeah, real quick, I do like the Vikings. I'm going to lay the points. Uh, Miami has had a wild first five games, won three in a row to start, and now have two straight double-digit losses, have quarterback issues. You mentioned Skylar Thompson from Kansas State in there. Uh, uh, Tyreek Hill still banged up a bit, too. Uh, and Vikings, their they're one issue, I think, uh, guys, they don't put teams away. I think this is a situation because of Miami right now with, with a quarterback. This is a game where the Vikings can get this done, get it right. Uh, they're, they're already now it's four and one, which is a nice start, but they got to put teams away. They didn't put away Chicago last week. I think give the ball to Dalvin Cook, who played at Florida State. He's been great. Two touchdowns and 120 yards combined last week. Let him run wild. Uh, and uh, Jefferson, too. Miami just 27th versus the pass. Mm-hmm. Miami's in the tailspin. Give me the Vikings. All right, going Minnesota. And then real quick, let's get that uh, three-teamer. What, Rams, Bucks, Chargers? That's where we're going this week? We're going to do that. Yeah, let's see. It's going to play 123 plus 123 for the parlay. Rams minus 490 against Carolina. Rule out quarterback issues also for Carolina and safety. Uh, Jeremy Chin is now out, so give me the Rams, and, the, and they get a much-needed win. Give me minus 350 Tampa Bay over Pittsburgh, Brady beats up bad teams. I'm sorry, Steelers fans, but the steel curtain yeah. is the softest been in many, many years. And give me minus 230 on Monday night. Chargers over the Broncos. I'm taking Herbert over Hustle or lack thereof. <laughs> there we go. I All right. Love it. I Great love stuff, it, Harry. Harry. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. He is Harry Thanks, Harry. We will preview the Thursday night football game. Commanders, Bears, we'll discuss next. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford 
Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health, but by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I've Play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. You're listening to the Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like free bets. It's never been easier to join the action on the new BetMGM app, featuring a fresh redesign with improved features and quicker navigation. Planning a trip to Vegas? You can also convert your BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points that you can use towards dining shows and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM resorts located on the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. BetMGM Rewards is sports betting's premier loyalty program, including exclusive offers, incredible experiences, and valuable perks when you wager with BetMGM. Sign up with BetMGM or log in today to take advantage of BetMGM Rewards. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. As we are back for the final time on this Wednesday edition of the Lombardi Line, one scheduling note that just came out, Michael. Not sure the last time I've ever seen this with an NFL game potentially being moved 
for pure scheduling positions on a baseball postseason game, but that could happen in Seattle. If the Mariners were to force a game four against the Astros, they're going to move that Cardinal Seahawk game back from 105 Pacific locally to 230, which is, I never have seen that before. It's great. I mean, you know, just I like when they stagger those those four. I'm on the East Coast, so they stagger those four o'clock games where you don't, you know, you have that like extra, you know, that time when the game ends at seven fifteen till kickoff. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not going through the pregame show, you know, none of that. So that that hour you get, I usually I work on game books on that hour, but I would like to watch more of the game and kind of get that going through. Yeah. So. I like it. You know, look, it, you know, it's like if the if the Phillies were playing home and the Eagles were playing, I mean, the the, the traffic at, you know, with 100,000 people more, you know, coming into one area with really two roads like Seattle, it's it's hard to get, you know, the state to get there, it's not like you can go a back way or yeah. all that. So, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you, you can't have that much traffic. It would be impossible to get to it. So, you know, look, we could deal with it. We'll, we'll adjust on the fly, Ben. That's not a problem. I don't, Mike, you have your TV set up there on the East Coast. I'm sure you can figure out a way to, to make it work. If, uh, the, if I got, that is I the, got case. the red zone. I, yeah. I've got it all. I mean, I, I've got I've got a European feed that I use. Nice. I've got it all. I don't have to worry about look it. Look at you going, going, going deep with the European feed. Well, you know, um, when you get that, I, I learned this when I was in Australia. When you you can watch, they watch the games over there on on yeah. on NFL. Game but you pass, have to yeah. have a. Right, Game Pass, but you have to have a, a off offshore IP address. There we go. That, those are the secrets of the trade. You know, Michael Michael's figured out he's figured out his ways, uh, and the reason why for the potential movement is because, as you were talking about, the baseball and football stadiums are right next to each other in Seattle, just yep. like they are in Philadelphia. They've never had to deal with this issue though in Seattle because back in '01, last time the Mariners were you playoff bound, that was still the days of the Kingdom. So we, we this yeah. is something they're not used to in Seattle. No, no doubt. I mean, look, uh, that, that. Speaking of Seattle, though, I, I, I'm a little bit betwixt and between on this game because the Cards haven't played very well, and you know, I, I know everybody thinks Seattle has a home field advantage, but we saw Atlanta go in there and win a game, and we certainly know Denver should have won the opening game there. Mm-hmm. But I mean, to me, if Arizona doesn't get their offense going against this really bad Seattle defense, and I don't, I can't emphasize bad enough here. I mean, they're really bad, right? So I just have a sense that, you know, I mean, I, I just have a hard time putting a lot of faith in in the the Cardinals' offense the way it's been going because they just can't seem to get going early in the game, and if he can't make a loose play, there is no play. You have to think, we've talked about this with Arizona, when you are as bad as they have been out of the gates in these scripted situations, now being outscored 38 nothing in first quarters this year, they know, if we're talking about it almost every single day across our network, they know that's the biggest issue going on right now. Like, at what point, if you're Cliff Kingsbury, for all of his flaws that you've detailed before on this show, at what point do you figure out ways to change up the script and not make it just, all right, Kyler Murray, you just start freelancing and doing you know backyard stuff where that has been at times some of the most impactful plays they've actually had. Like, at what point does that actually change for Arizona? Well, I think you have to understand why does it happen in the first quarter? Because what happens in the first quarter? Nobody's tired, right? Nobody's tired. Everybody's disciplined and they do what the game plan is. And so the reason Arizona struggles in the first quarter is because they rush correctly, because the defense plays within the framework of what they were practicing. 
once the game extends itself into the third and fourth quarter when players get tired and fatigue sets in, and all of a sudden it's not as easy to run the rush lanes, it's not as easy to block this guy or that guy, and so all of a sudden things start to break down. Oh, that plays in the Cardinals' favor. But when it starts, when it starts and everybody's in tune and ready and, 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 and not tired – that's when he has the trouble. Mm-hmm. I think it's. I don't think this is a. Co- I don't think this is a coaching issue as much. We want to blame Cliff for everything, and certainly Cliff deserves some blame. But a lot yeah. of the problems the Cardinals have start and end with Kyler Murray. And if you at least believe that the improvements will come eventually for Arizona, and you think about the specific matchup here, where it's Arizona against the defense, we talked about this on the Detroit side earlier, where it's that graph of all the teams defensively. Only Detroit and Seattle, they're on this island like in Hawaii where they're just awful in every single metric against the pass and against the run. This would profile Michael, especially with a lack of home field advantage for Seattle, to be the perfect spot for Arizona. And yet you have the Cardinals only laying three on the road, and it's a a total of 50 and a half. I have to think that that would be much higher if betters in the market had more confidence in this Arizona offense playing a full 60 minutes here. Yeah, and look, I think Arizona's defense has really improved over the last couple weeks. I mean, start of the season, they didn't look good against the Chiefs. They played too much man. But since that Chiefs game, you know, you know, they played really good the second half. I should say the second half against the Raiders, they were better. You know, and then against the Rams, that you know, they were they were just okay, but the offense wasn't good. And the last two weeks, I mean, against Carolina, against Philly, I thought they played well. They played Philly as well as anybody's played Philly so far this year. Now. What they have to do is create turnovers. The one thing I will say for Murray that he's been really good of, and they're third in the league in this category, is he hasn't turned the ball over. He hasn't turned the ball over. So that's one of the reasons they've been able to stay attached in the game is because they don't make those mistakes. But when do they get their offense going? When mm-hmm. do they? When are they able to run the ball? You know, I don't know if people realize this. I know they hear the name Kyler Murray and they think, oh, this great quarter. They're 30th in yards per attempt in the passing game. Think about that. It's pretty wild. Sub and EPA per play, any metric you want to look at, so uh, b- below average right now, and it's really just He's been these average. crazy. He, it's, it's been these crazy he, end game plays that have have kept them either in games or given the Cardinals win so far. He he's below average. I mean, he's not a two hundred and forty million dollar man. I'm sorry, he's just not. He he. Depending on who he plays, depending on the coordinator, and if they understand how to rush him, then that's really where he's going to gain success. I mean, if he, I mean, will it really affect your evaluation of him if he has success against Seattle? I mean, well, will it? I mean, I don't know how anybody, you know, Seattle, Seattle, I, I don't, you know, they fired, they fired Ken Norton, and then they've gotten actually worse defensively. Yeah. We, I mean, think about this. T- Taysom Hill looked like. Uh, sorry, I'll just go ahead and say, Taysom Hill looked like Michael Vick at Lambeau in January 2003, just running wherever he wanted to around the field. It was, it was insane last week. Yeah, think about this now. Since the opening game, when we know the Broncos, if they would have run Jamal Williams in that or J, uh, Williams in the game, Javon Williams in the game, they probably could have outgained it. But they threw for 330. Okay, since that game, this uh, this Seattle run defense has given up 190, 179, 145, 235. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like you can't stop anybody yeah. when you can't stop the run. Miserably, miserably bad. And uh, Arizona 
laying three in this spot this week. Again, as we mentioned, that total 50 and a half. That is, as, as it stands, the second highest total on the board behind only Buffalo and Kansas City. Our lowest total, and actually since we started the show, there has been a little tick up to the over here, Michael. We're up to mostly 38s here on Washington, Chicago. It appears as though the weather looked really shaky early in the week. As we get closer to game time, not going to be as bad with the wind now. We're guessing about 18 miles an hour on the wind there at Soldier Field. Pick them or Bears minus one. Where First off, line uh, line you said on this game, where was that at? I had to pick them. Pick In my yeah. notes, I have it as a pick them. I mean, I, I have it there completely. So, like, for me, this is really – if you're playing this, you got to pick what quarterback. I mean, I think the – I give the – I really give the, the the Bears credit for staying attached. I thought they played better last week. I mean, he Fields didn't really – I mean, guys were wide open, missed wide open receivers. Moody made a great play. It's hard to do that week in and week out. Washington has played run defense much better over the last – I mean, this is a game Washington should win. If Washington doesn't win this game, you know, to me, first of all, Washington's lucky Dan Snyder's over an elbow. But besides that, <laughs> yeah. if they don't win this game – I. I I think it gets it goes downward from there. That's the biggest matchup I look at. Washington's fifth against the run this year. Chicago runs more than any team in the NFL. They have to. You and they, and have, they to. have to. As you for the reasons you've laid out before with a limited quarterback in Justin Fields. You'd think if Washington does what they have done, like what we saw them do to Tennessee and Derrick Henry for the most part of that game, should be one way traffic to the Washington side, but there's also the Carson Wentz issue at QB kind of why we're seeing a pick him. Uh, Michael, I'm glad we saved that to the very end. <laughs> we can get out of here. Only spend a couple minutes on Washington to Chicago. You're off tomorrow. Patrick is back with Mike Pritchard. Uh, great being with you as always, sir. We'll see you again on Friday. Thank you, Pat. Thank you so much. I appreciate you, Ben. Thanks, Absolutely. Matt Santos. All right. That does it for us here on the Lombardi Line. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish. Streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Billy Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony Delisandra. Billy's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me, like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it gonna like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for.